What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hello, Mark Thompson, this is... The voice of Yoda I am in many Star Wars audiobooks. Do or do not listen to Utini. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. I am Oksana Florin, Deputy Assistant Administrator to the Vice Admiral of the Federation of Trade Route Allocation and Monetization. A Utini production. Here with an offer from His Eminence, the Senior Vice Admiral. Episode 72, Interview with Sarah Kuhn. Your spice for our hard-working slaves, I brought you a sample. On this episode, the Utini crew talks with Sarah Kuhn, author of the Dr. Afra audio drama. To bring forth the merchandise. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, and Dr. Charles Henkel. Utini! Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of The Living Force. Today, we have a full house in studio, and by that I mean in all of our very different states. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilers, and joining me are the doctors. We have Dr. Corey Helton. Hello. Hello, hello. And we have Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, buddy. Hello there. What's going on? Not much, man. Actually, a lot, because we are also rounded out by the renowned author of the Heroin Complex books, I Love You So, Moshi, Shadow of the Batgirl, and of course, the recently lauded audio drama, Dr. Afra. Sarah Kuhn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Oh, we are so happy to have you on this show. We've all in our whole community been loving Afra for the last couple of weeks. Oh, uh, we can't great. wait to Yeah, <laughs> we can't wait to pick your brain about the second ever Star Wars audio drama. Like it's still so crazy that this happened. I know. Pretty cool, huh? Absolutely. So let's let's start out right there, uh, based on you. How did the Star Wars films and books first ever come into your life? It's <laughs> such an interesting question because, um, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't remember a time they they weren't in my life. <laughs> sure, um, sure. I I grew up with uh, the first movies, the first trilogy, and um, you know, I I think probably everyone here can relate to being a, a nerd, a nerd child, oh, and. <laughs> You know, as a nerd child, I was certainly very uh, obsessed with anything that I even decided I liked a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I did read a lot of the novels, the science, the expanded universe. I grew up with all of that stuff. And so it's really cool to have written something in the canon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Did you have a a favorite EU novel when you were growing up, one that just... Got the, the binding was all messed up because you read it so many times. <laughs> um, you know, I've actually written, I wrote an essay a few years ago about my obsession with the courtship of Princess Leia. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, Stacy and our team will love that. She's obsessed I, with that I book. I was so obsessed with that book. And I was actually, because I think, um, you know, back when it came out, I don't think the, the internet was really such a thing. So mm-hmm. I didn't know that a lot of people actually didn't like it um yeah. but i feel the, those like those people are wrong it's okay. <laughs> I, I feel like there's definitely um a subset of obsessives and i feel like many of them are women and i think perhaps the reason which is part of what i wrote this essay about is that that book is extremely horny um in yeah. a really yes, a really great way <laughs> yeah. and it really lets uh Princess Leia expressed some desires and mm-hmm. tell Han Solo that she likes the way his pants fit. And <laughs> don't we I, all? Come I on. think <laughs> I think that was pretty. Um, that that was like pretty a pretty big moment for my um, preteen self. 
So um, yeah, if I if I had to pick one, that one certainly sticks out in my mind. Oh my gosh, perfect! And, and we yeah we we've talked about that book a decent amount over the years because we, we there's like the rom- the romance novel cover and then there's like the fake action movie cover and it's like okay whoever you are they're trying to sell you this book whether you're into like the horniness of it or the little rancor on the cover <laughs> I, think no, I, I think i definitely had the romance novel cover that would have been the one i was very drawn to yeah honest same it's right over there love it <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, did did you have like, what was your sort of first first love? I guess with it all, was it was it like the books exclusively? Did you kind of get into the comics as um, well? Like, you mean besides like beyond the movies? Or sure, yeah, just, yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, like my first love was obviously the the movies. Just I was so obsessed with them, and um, it was probably. I would guess it was something like the novelization of Empire Strikes Back because uh, that movie also also has some uh, very sexy moments, and oh, I yeah. was you know I, I was definitely a shipper from from a very young age. I love romance; <laughs> I still do, mm-hmm. and uh, I was uh, so so into. Certain scenes of that. I mean, I was into the whole movie, but I was very into certain scenes from that movie. And so I think because with the novelization, you could like read that part over and over again if you mm-hmm. wanted to. Um, and it also tended to go a little bit more in depth about, you know, what people are feeling, what mm-hmm. the in- internal monologue is, like the attraction, like all of that. So I'm I'm guessing that that was probably the first one I read that I got really obsessed at least certain parts of it. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. So shifting gears a little bit, kind of uh, talking about Afra. Um, how did this kind of project kind of come about? It's always fun to hear from authors. <laughs> like, what were you doing when you got the email? Did you freak out initially? Like, how did this kind of come about? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I love those stories as well. Um, you know, I think I was at, uh, I was at Target. And um, I got a, this was obviously in in pre-pandemic times. I was at Target. um, Miss going to Target. Yeah, really used to be a a thing you could do um, (laughs) casually. And Mm -hmm. um, I got a phone call from my agent. And, you know, usually my agent, if she has something, she'll email me. Like, that's usually the fastest way to get a hold of me. I'm sometimes not great at actually, like, answering my phone or even seeing that it's ringing. And um, so I saw she was calling and I was like, oh, she's calling. It must be something really important. So I should probably answer. So I did. And she was basically like, hey, I I knew that I had to call you with this. Um, We got an offer for you for for Star Wars. And really, I mean, before she could say anything else, I was just so excited. And then when she said it's it's for Dr. Afra, that was like, I mean, it was really just the best possible thing that could have happened. I love that character so much and it felt like such a good match. And so, yeah, it was, it was a really exciting phone call to get. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Did, did they, did they brief you? Did you know it was going to be an audio drama like right out of the gate? Um, yes, I think so. To be honest with you, I do not remember a lot of what she said, what my agent said like after those two things but then sure. of course she she forwarded me like the email from nice Elizabeth okay Schaefer, who's the you know the editor at del rey really awesome that i got to work with and it kind of broke down okay like it's an audio drama like what we did with dooku it's dr afra we want to kind of adapt her first arc her origin to sort of introduce her perhaps to more people um and I think that was the, oh, and the, you know, they might have included like, oh, here's kind of target length or target word count. So I definitely got like kind of the specs uh, to, to consider, yeah. yeah. Nice. And it sounds like you were already pretty familiar with the character of Afra. Is that right? Did you follow <laughs> yes. along with the comics as they came out? Or Yeah, I love Afra. Um, I think my husband actually, uh, my husband who's also, you know, was also raised on Star Wars. He was like, really into her like right away and mm-hmm. he i think he was like oh here is something i think is like um oh, but yeah man. i mean she's, <laughs> she's just like i think from her first appearance she really just grabs you by the throat uh, the way that yes. karen gillen and 
Salvador LaRocco like set her up is like so amazing. She's so vibrant, like right from the jump. So yeah, I was a huge fan of hers. I just, I liked kind of the spirit she brought to it. I thought Mm -hmm. she was a little bit different than a lot of the characters we'd seen. She's obviously very chaotic. Like there's (laughs) kind of, you don't really know what she's going to do next. So yeah, I, I was a huge fan of hers and I was really flattered that Elizabeth thought of me for this. Absolutely. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, and you know, this project in particular was really interesting because it was sort of this first person point of view and a lot of things yeah. come along with that with a character like Afra. but I'm interested to know if you had your pick of any character in the entire Star Wars galaxy to give this similar type of story treatment. Who might that be? If you could choose anyone, <laughs> prequels, original trilogy, sequels, who would you go with? Oh, my gosh. That's such a good question. And, um, I, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I think it would depend on the context. Um, mm-hmm. But I have always been obsessed with Jess Pava, like, ever since she debuted yeah. in um, Force Awakens. and. You know, she didn't have like a ton of ton of screen time, but obviously, like as a mixed race Asian American woman, I mm-hmm. noticed her immediately. And yeah. then I remember my my friend, one of my friends that I went to that movie with the first time, um, who's also a mixed race Asian American woman. Like we saw her and we sort of turned to each other, like, "Oh my god!" And then we were like, "Oh, what?" No, she's gonna die. Like <laughs> that's just what happened. <laughs> oh no! Right. This, this situation is very <laughs> oh, dangerous. Man. So we were like really excited when she didn't, and I think, um, yeah, I, I I think like she also I know she's been like explored a little bit elsewhere, but I I don't know that she's really been given that sort of full like entire backstory treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I mean honestly like. Star Wars has so many great characters that I feel like we could hear from in this manner and this sort of POV mm-hmm. manner that I think, you know, anyone would be really excited to do that with. And it was just extra fun that Afra was such a good match for this sort of kind of story. Right. And, and it's fun you mentioned Jess because then, you know, it gets my mind thinking of, all the great uh, audiobooks we've had with pilots, like the Alphabet Squadron books, all the sound yeah. effects of the ships. I'm just imagining now the narration of Jess as she's piloting throughout. Like, the editors would have a field day with that. I can only... <laughs> yeah. Okay, already got a wish list. Great. Um, <laughs> now, uh, when, when we've been talking about Afro recently, a lot of comments, uh, both within the Utini community and online as a whole, have talked about how like genuine your your tone was for Afro. Like, the writing was very organic and, and it was very genuine. Is there a particular method that you use as a writer when you're trying to get into a character's head, like before you start writing, in order to like hear her voice better, or does it kind of flow as you write? Well, I think that um, with a character like this, there is a lot of material about her already. You know, you kind of read all that you can, reread all that you can and try to absorb it and kind of try to get her voice going in your head. And I feel like usually at the beginning, there's a little bit of a stop and go and you kind of have to like get to the end before you really, really got it. And then, of course, you can go back and revise. And she had obviously a really strong voice from the beginning. I mean, Kieran, (laughs) Kieran wrote such great lines for her. Um, I think the one that we've talked about a lot, which I felt like sort of unlocked the story for us, um, she says something like, you know, the way way I've lived, I know I'm lucky to be alive. And I felt like that sort of captured a lot about her. (laughs) So that was sort of like what I I started with. And of course, like all of the stuff that had been done already. Mm -hmm. And I I think that for me, her voice was a very... Uh, it was a very natural fit. Um, you know, Elizabeth told me on our Comic-Con panel that I was like her her first and only choice for this, which was like really exciting and flattering because, you know, I, I usually imagine with um, any IP, but especially Star Wars, because like everybody wants Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. they, I just imagine for everything, they have like a huge list and they're sort of going down the list and, you know, so that was really nice to hear. But um, I think she saw that there was something 
a little bit in the same spirit in the heroine complex books. Like those mm-hmm. books are very voicey. Like the protagonist is, you know, doesn't really have a filter. Like it, it's kind of like it's not exactly the same. And mm-hmm. you know, the protagonists of that series have very different personalities than Afra. But I sure. think there was something about the style that made sense. So mm-hmm. I felt like um, I did have, I think, a pretty good handle on her voice from the beginning, just because of all of those different things coming together. Um, but I definitely felt it more once I got to the end, it could kind of go back and like really be in her head with her. Absolutely. I mean, like, like you're saying, Afra is such a, a wonderfully chaotic force and, and <laughs> without a doubt, you, you captured that beautifully. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and another part of her personality and, and her life that is so important, I think, is that she is notably an LGBTQ woman of color in Star Wars, which yes. is fantastic. <laughs> and I want to ask specifically, um, you really accentuated her relationship with Sana in this book. It's some of the, yeah. some, personally, my favorite stuff in the book. It's been talked about a ton on how just really great it is. How important was it for you to amplify Afra's voice in that particular way in the Star Wars universe? Well, I mean... Like I said, I'm always a sucker for a good romance. Right. And, I, you know, and I love Star Wars romance because it's like so there's just so much happening. It's so fraught. <laughs> it's so tortured. Um, and, you know, so like soft and cuddly sometimes also. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I just like I was like, wow, if if I can kind of add something to her story, I feel like it's this. I feel like it's kind of exploring this really interesting relationship that we've mostly seen um, afterwards when they hate each other. Uh, So I wanted to know kind of what they were like before. So that was definitely something I wanted to bring out. And yeah, I mean, from a purely representational standpoint, I love that she resonates for so many people for different reasons. Um, And that she is kind of someone who we haven't maybe seen a lot of in the Star Wars universe. And I also really love that she really kind of just loves who she is like she always is very much herself mm-hmm. um she doesn't apologize for it there's nothing really like like you know the things that she doesn't like about herself are more due to like her inability to sort of tell people that she cares about them or yeah. <laughs> you know have have actual like human relationships or like whatever it is and again those are so deep i feel like not something she usually admits but um, sure. yeah, I just love that she's she's so like into who she is and she's like having such a good time. And, you know, I think a lot of times when um, women of color or queer characters or queer women of color characters show up in things, it's sort of not fun. Like it, it's a lot of times it's like, oh, they're there to be tortured or they're there mm-hmm. to teach someone a lesson about racism or they have to be really serious all the time because they have to be like a good role model. And with Afra, I just felt like they're like, no, she's just herself and she's like really happy right. about it. She's Afra. She's just Afra. Yeah, she's just yeah. chaos. And so, yeah, I that was important to me to kind of like, I guess, tell a story where all of that was very apparent and also kind of um i don't know what the right word is like speak to a lot of her her fans who she means so much to you know she means a lot to me for those reasons as well mm-hmm. and i i really love that we're hopefully reaching a point where you know that's that's not even a big that could maybe at some point not even be a big deal anymore it's just sort of because exactly. there's so yeah. many you know queer women of color characters yes. Like, that would be amazing. But, um, yeah, I, I wanted to hopefully, I know she has a lot of really passionate, dedicated fans, and I certainly consider myself one of them. So I did think about, like, what would I like to see as a fan? And, um, yeah, I, I yeah, those, those things are, are really important. And um, I'm glad that that is, is speaking to people and that the people who do love her sort of, feel that that was represented in this story. Absolutely. That has certainly been the feedback that we've gotten in in our (laughs) our community specifically is like, like we, we preach all the time that we, want people to feel like they belong in star wars right yeah and like the, the more opportunities we get for people to do that 
I think the happier everybody can be about it. So, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a big galaxy. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Plus, plus, give me more. Give me more of the uh, of the the making out on the stacks in the library, <laughs> like, please. Like, come on, that's, like, that's such a beautiful trope to be in Star Wars. I'm so happy it's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, what what Elizabeth and I kind of noticed when we were working on it is that like her courtship, like her way of courting someone, is so like her, like. She's always oh like God. falling off things. They're like dropping yes. things. They're like she's always like making like a ruckus. Like I just, I just love that. I love like what a disaster that is. Um, and so yeah, that was <laughs> super fun to to write. It's funny, you know, going back to the uh, the courtship of Princess Leia being such a formative thing. This is like the courtship of Sana Staros. I mean, yeah. she's looking at Sana <laughs> the exact same way that Leia is looking at Han's pants. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those no, scenes. I oh, like, it's so great. Emily Muzeller, like she, oh, who, who plays Afra, like she like brought it. Like the, I, she had to do <laughs> so much in this book. She had to play so many different things, and she, I mean, it's like basic. It's a three hundred page like internal monologue. Like there, yeah. obviously, there's many other important voices, but I think that no one would deny that she kind of had to work the hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, and those that scene, especially where she first sees. Sana. Um, my husband was laughing because we were li- listening to it, and he was like, "I think Emily's voice like dropped an octave. Like she's like, <laughs> she's her, like there's like definitely like a change in tone that's very like she's noticing her, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really love that that she really like went for that. That she was like, yes. no, she's mm-hmm. like, she's really noticing this person, yes. and she's like kind of immediately." mitten and she doesn't want to be so that's like a fun conflict too yeah speaking of tropes we love it's like i i I, oh she's really hot i shouldn't but i want to but i don't want to i shouldn't oh it's drama inherently fantastic also capturing that in audio was absolutely fantastic i mean like like you put it like there's so many overtones like in an audio drama just in voice like voice actors are really on such another level and she totally you're absolutely right yeah i mean all of these guys like everyone who was in the cast was so amazing. And um, except for Emily, since she was playing like the biggest role, um, I think all of them played like at least a couple parts, like they're so mm-hmm. multi-talented. And what mm-hmm. really blew me away is that, um, you know, the producer of this is Nick Martorelli. He's amazing. He put together such like an amazing soundscape um, and kind of everything that went into the production. But uh because of the pandemic they actually all had to record in their homes they didn't Mm, get together like they did for dooku and then it's kind of like you get to play off of each other and you're in a studio and you get you know you're being directed and all this stuff so nick actually directed all of the actors like individually like i think he read like all the other parts when they were recording oh my gosh the joke we made on the comic con panel was that somebody's going to start a campaign to release the martorelli cut because it's just like him talking, yes. like oh him doing gosh. all the voices. Um, I think Who the, needs the High Republic. Thing, Let's get that. I know. Like I think I think the only thing that um, was recorded, like the two people were together, was they did get um, Emily and Nicole Lewis, who plays Sana, together on Zoom, so they could record some of the oh, Afro Sana yeah. scenes together mm. and get that chemistry, um, which nice, I think they yeah. did a really beautiful job with, but. It really blows me away to listen to that and to realize that most of those people were recording in their houses without sort of the benefit of these other actors to play off of. Yeah, I, I think I, I I did. I was fortunate enough to watch a lot of that Comic Con panel. And didn't Mark Thompson say like his wife was giving a therapy session during a recording? <laughs> yeah, and he's like he has to pretend like he's being tortured or something. So he was like screaming, and she was like, um. This is like not conducive to giving <laughs> therapy, um, but yeah, I I think that's so amazing that you know he's like in his kid's bedroom, like making this, this like full performance. Yeah, wow, that's Man, fantastic. That, that my, my wife is also back. a therapist. Yeah, oh. my wife is also a therapist, and I can certainly re- relate to that. <laughs> I, I get a lot of the listen. You need to like calm down. This is not a good time. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Man, well, kind of getting back to some of the writing process, we've had the honor of talking to quite a, a few of the uh, most recent Star Wars authors, um, at least in canon. And um, 
you know, this audio drama thing is pretty new. So yeah. what, what was it like and how much kind of research did you have to do into uh, writing a project like this, an audio drama, um, as compared to what you might be more used to? That is super interesting. And that was like a really like it felt a little bit like, oh, this is kind of a, you know, new ground, like new new frontier that we're covering. So um, I looked at they sent me everything for for Dooku. So I kind of looked at, you know, what Kevin had done, what Kevin Scott, who wrote Dooku, had done and like how that it kind of went from from step to step. And um, Nick. Martirelli was very generous in helping me sort of like figure out how things work in audio. He sent me kind of a list of like tips or like things not to do or like here's some things to try. And um, it felt a little bit like a combination of a lot of the different mediums I write in. So it was a little bit like prose because you don't have a visual component. So you still have to describe things for people because they they don't know what you know what the what the room looks like or what this person right. looks like or what's happening and uh but then you also it's also kind of like uh comics or screenwriting because you also don't want to disrupt the flow of of the dialogue with with too much description you mm -hmm. want those scenes to flow so people feel really immersed and not like it's you know just kind of a, a regular audiobook with someone still doing a lot of acting, but reading the prose verbatim. Um, so that was super interesting. And it was really interesting, like the sort of things that came up that we were like, oh, right. Like you can see this on the page, but um, you can't like, you don't really know if you're just listening what's happening. So there were little things like um, there's this, there's that scene where uh, they're trying to kind of ambush Luke and um, they like Afra comes up with this brilliant and to spray paint triple zero gold so that he can impersonate C-3PO. <laughs> and so we were like, okay, like she's saying she's going to paint, like, she's kind of like, Oh, I have this great plan, but she doesn't say I'm going to spray paint you gold. So we had to kind of be like, okay, what do we have to put here so that it's still like funny? Like, it's not just like, she's like, here's what I'm doing. But that oh, it's yeah. also clear what the plan is before they go into the plan. And sure. I think what, what we did was like, Nick was like, what if there was kind of a little thing where um, he's, he's trying to like change his voice so that it matches like how C-3PO talks because obviously triple zero sounds different. And that led to a bunch of other questions where I was like, okay, well, like what does he sound like? Like does his voice sound like, C-3PO but evil like does it is it just like what right. he's saying is different but the tone is the same huh. or does he have like kind of a different like a different tone to his voice so he would actually be going through these motions of like changing the way he sounds um so those were like really interesting conversations to have because you sort of realize what makes the story work in one medium needs to be changed a little bit to make it work in another one right yeah well and that's funny because as as someone you know who read these Vader comics and Afro comics later on myself, I, I did I didn't realize until I heard this audio drama that I was absolutely just putting three PO's voice in my head for him yeah. because I mean oh, yeah. I, I feel <laughs> like that's, droid, you know that's probably what I was doing too. I think mm -hmm. um, that that was something that we you know we were like oh right that's like something we have to consider. And so I think Nick really worked with um, Sean Keenan who who gives voice to Triple Zero. Mm -hmm. to come up with what that what that voice is like i think what he said was he was like well i feel like c3po has this very like he's kind of passive aggressive and triple mm -hmm. zero is just kind of aggressive aggressive so <laughs> perhaps you know his his accent or his tone or like the way he expresses himself is more along those lines and i think what they came up with is is amazing i think it, it does sound sort of like what that droid would sound like. Oh, yeah. And and with people like Sean, especially, you know, so many of them came from the Dooku Jedi Lost cast. A lot of them came yeah. in. It was funny being like, this is triple zero murdering, but also Sifo-Dyas. So it's, it was fun <laughs> making those little, like, comparisons. <laughs> yeah. <was> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So speaking of speaking of like kind of sounds and writing for that, what was it like trying to like for or trying to write for Black Crescenton? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, um, I had to really uh, I had to make like a macro of his name because 
I never spelled it right the first time. Um, I also wasn't entirely clear on how it was pronounced until I actually heard it in the audiobook. But um, it was funny because, you know, in the comics, like a lot of those, uh, the sounds, the Wookiee sounds are like, they're written out as, as sound effects. And I wanted to kind of preserve that. Um, but we also had to be, it was like, okay, if you look at the art on the page, you can tell what, what this, what the emotion right. is like behind this roar. But yeah. if you just hear it, or if it's like put on the page in the way that's a little bit generic, maybe you, you don't know, like it's not as clear. And since like you have just like you have in, in all of Star Wars, like then the, the humanoid character is kind of responding as if they understand and it gives the viewer, the, the listener, the viewer, the context of like, oh, that's what that person said. So we ended up just, um, I would put these kind of like uh, parentheticals that are like the mood. And so it was like, it's, it's like this. So it would be like, uh, this is a triumphant Wookiee roar. This is a sad right. Wookiee roar. I think um, on the panel, we, Mark Thompson, talked. we talked about the petty Wookiee roar and he kind of demonstrated what that was. Um, <laughs> and it was What, what a gem of a man. I know, he, he came up with like, all these different roars and i think he, had, he played chewbacca too so he had to do like different <laughs> different wookie wow. voices and make That's them fantastic. sound different and make them sound like you know the wookies that we know and convey the emotion in the wookie roar but um yeah it's, it's funny because I, I think sometimes people think those are just like you know pre-recorded sound effects or something they're like oh they have the wookie roar and they just put it in and I was like, no, there's a there's a performance. Like if you listen, right. there's like a real I think you can tell there's a real performance. Yes. Um, but yeah, those yeah. are those are the days like when I was writing dialogue that was like Wookiees or droids beeping at each other, that you just sort of feel like, Wow, my job is ridiculous. Like I wrote <laughs> two pages of droids beeping at each other and that that is my job. <laughs> It was it was done so well though. Like I, I don't know if you ever played the old like Knights of the Old Republic games or like I've seen the gameplay or anything like that. But, like when you go to the planets of alien species, like you go to Kashyyyk and talk to the Wookiees, it's just literally just <laughs> like for literally and all this dialogue is on the screen. It was just Chris like skip skip skip. I can't handle listening to this anymore. So like at least it, at least it was like short phrases and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I much prefer the the uh, the emotional Wookiee roar rather than just literally lines yeah. and lines of dialogue. So. You know, they're act like I, I, you know, giving the actors their due respect. They need a performance they can get. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, that was yes. a lot of fun. Although, my gosh, getting Chewbacca and Black Rosanton talking, that's got to be like Stitch talking to Gollum or something. <laughs> like, your boy just has to be murdered by the end of it. Yeah, that, maybe that was why his uh, his wife was disturbed because <laughs> could hear all of that through the wall. Maybe. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, it sounds like you had a lot of kind of unique challenges with writing this project uh, that maybe you haven't had on previous things. I'm assuming Wookiees weren't weren't a part of uh, the Heroine Chronicles or anything. <laughs> uh, no, not really. Yeah. I mean, I there are um, there are like sound effects kind of in, in the Heroine Complex books because they are very like comic book inspired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely there aren't like pages of dialogue between like Wookiees like that yeah. was definitely unique. Yet, I mean, hey. Yeah, yeah. Wait for the crossover. <laughs> but uh, what what was it like? How was the writing process different in writing like a first person point of view story as opposed to the more traditional third person? Well, it's interesting because I usually write in first person. The mm -hmm. the sort of genres and subgenres I write in tend to lend themselves very well to that. That's something I'm really comfortable with. Um, so I was actually really excited that um, they were up for that, that they were sort of up for like telling this whole story in Afra's voice from Afra's POV. I, I think that was something that was really important to all of us. Mm -hmm. um, so it actually felt uh, pretty natural. I think that, um, you know, it depends on the book and the genre and everything else. But I think also for me, it did feel it did make it feel a little bit more personal. Um, you know, I, when I'm writing in first person, I tend to feel just a little bit uh, closer to that character. I feel a little bit more, you know, like I'm constantly in their head because I kind of am. Um, so it was really just a, a joy to be able to, to write that way in, in Star Wars, in canon. 
Um, and it felt appropriate because I didn't, you know, I don't think, I think we didn't, we thought that Afra probably wouldn't want anyone else telling her story. Um, oh, wow. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, well, on, on that note of, of Afra's being Afra's story, right? Like it was a pre-existing story, but uh, we always asked a lot of writers like what it's like to write within Star Wars because obviously each project is pretty hush hush. Um, some yeah. people get like you know, whether you're pitching, whether you're receiving assignments, things like that. How did you find this experience kind of unique in that way? Did you find that you were you were thinking about oh, okay, I want to write this scene, but I got to make sure I fit in these parameters, or did you feel like you had a decent amount of leeway to kind of you know write your own thing? You know, I think it it was it was kind of like uh, morphing as I went from step to step because certainly when I got this job, I mean, I was excited, but I was also super intimidated. I oh, mean, there's absolutely, like yeah. there's like not <laughs> a lot of franchises that are like Star Wars. There just aren't. Um, so I was I was intimidated. Um, I I like you know I oh I. I really want to do this and I just hope that, you know, I can do it. I can do it mm -hmm. well. Um, and I did like kind of have this idea of like, cause I've written a decent amount of IP at this point And it's always mm -hmm. a little bit different depending on the, who holds the license and, you know, the company doing it and all that. But, um, so I, I, I didn't, you know, I hadn't worked with Elizabeth before. I hadn't worked with Del Rey before. I hadn't worked on Star Wars before. And so, I was kind of like, oh, you know, I wonder, um, I feel like, you know, I want to be, I want to be faithful, but of course, like, since this is an expansion, I, I do want to bring kind of my own point of view to it and the sort of mm -hmm. the things I want to write about. And I didn't, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know what they'll let me do. I don't, I don't know <laughs> what I can, you know, what boundaries I can kind of push or where the boundaries even are. That's, mm -hmm something you sort of learn as you're doing it when you're writing you know any kind of licensed anything and yeah. so usually, how tight can the pants be yeah, i mean you gotta find can, out <laughs> how tight can the pants be and some, sometimes there are weird things that like you don't know about that end up being rules like i i wrote these um these barbie comics and that was mm -hmm. super interesting because they do send you this kind of like barbie like guidebook like style guide like All sort right. of thing wow, and so it, yeah. it would be like you know barbie does barbie does this barbie does this barbie's very supportive of her friends and i remember one of the like the don't do's was like barbie is not snarky she is not she is never she is always very kind and she doesn't use slang like she doesn't use sort mm. of modern and i think that's because you know they don't huh. want to date it like it doesn't want to yeah. oh, like sure. it, it's like stuck in a certain time period mm -hmm. right. uh, because when the book comes out like maybe no one's using that slang anymore and it seems automatically dated um mm -hmm. interesting and that was like an interesting challenge for me because i tend to write you know very like colloquially like lots of snark lots of slang like mm. and so that presented an interesting challenge but it also wasn't something i would have thought of before getting that job that barbie doesn't use slang um, and so with this, you're, you're sort of wondering like, okay, what, what are like the rules that I don't know about? <laughs> like what yeah. did it come up? Um, so usually my approach with stuff like this is I will look at whatever they've given me. I will assume those are the parameters. And when I write my sort of first little pitch slash outline, whatever document it is they want me to write, I try to throw everything in and see what takes. And I just, you know, I'm assuming if. I do something that is not allowed or that is like not possible because maybe there's like another project that I don't know about mm -hmm. that this has to connect, you know, whatever it is. Like mm -hmm. uh, I'm just assuming they're going to tell me <laughs> and, you know, know that I didn't know about that because it was a huge secret um, that they couldn't tell me. So with this, I was like, okay, um, I did like a little pitch document slash outline that was just sort of like, here's my take on the story. And I think because they had, you know, this was a tryout. They had essentially told me, like, you had this job. Like, it was I wasn't right. like, competing with a bunch of other people. I was like, well, I'm just going to put in what I want to do, which is, you know, a lot of it was, like, the, the sauna storyline. Mm -hmm. It was the, the framing device where she's making this recording, and we don't know exactly why initially. Um, and then, like, the stuff with her, her backstory, the, the opening scene with Moz. Like, I kind of mm -hmm. highlighted 
a lot of the new stuff because I the obviously the stuff that was in the comics had already been approved and published, mm-hmm. and I assumed they right, were fine right. with that. Um, and then I was kind of like, oh, I, I you know, I, I don't know what the parameters here are. I wonder if they'll let me do this. Like, will they let me tell this story with Sana? Will this be something people are interested in? Like, will it be like, oh, no, we wanted, we actually wanted you to focus on this, like, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they were actually very open. Um, I did not get a lot of uh, feedback as far as, you know, the story or, I mean, a lot of the story was already there, but like the things I added, like, it was kind of just like, no, keep going, like add more. Like, I think they, that um, they really liked this sort of like way that we together. So it was an arc instead of, you know, since the comic book was Vader, not Afra mm-hmm. until later, um, right. you know, there, there are parts where like she disappears for a while. Right. Um, <laughs> and so like, if you just kind of piece together all of her appearances, it could, I think, maybe seem a little piecemeal in this format. So I think they, they like that I had given it this sort of context and this overarching story and this framing device. And yeah, for the most part, there wasn't really anything that, um, that came up that was like, you can't do this. I think the, the two things I remember were um, when, uh, you know, they do the deep like lore dive, which I was like, great, mm-hmm. because I know a lot about Star Wars, but I know there, come on, there's stuff I don't know. Like there's stuff, every, <laughs> no, like everybody like has something they don't know about Star Wars because right. there is just so much of it. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think the two things were like, a lot of the planets I had included that were just like mentioned were like planets we already knew. Cause I was like, Oh, like I can't like, I can't add that to Canon. Like they're not going to let me make up a planet. Like I just have to add all these ones that have already been used. And actually they were like, Oh, this, you know, we don't want to just mention sort of the things that are in the films that people already know. So can you switch this up a little bit? And like here, maybe when you mention Hoth, could this be like, can this could be something else? Like you can take a mm-hmm. lesser known planet you can make up a planet. And I was like, well, of course, if you're telling me that I can make up a planet, (laughs) I'm going to do that. So um, I I made up a planet and a system actually called Sargen, which is my name and one of my best friend's names, Jen, put together. (laughs) And that's like forever now. That's that's forever. It's like we're you know i'm like look we're in the canon <laughs> like it's, oh my this God, planet, be a this planet is, is like a real planet now um, it's like buying a star for someone <laughs> but it's better yeah <laughs> i was like pretty cool maybe we'll you know, they'll put a little thing on wikipedia or something yeah um or maybe like in the future some other people will go to this, this system mm-hmm. um and then the other thing was i think there was a part where i, I just needed like there is like this quippy line and i wanted to mention like an animal or a creature that was really cute and so I, at first I think I just put porgs because there's like, they're, you know, they have like right. big eyes, like, and they were like, oh no, like probably at this point, like not a lot of people know about porgs, like probably Afro doesn't know about porgs. Like that's not necessarily something right. that would be like a common reference at this point in time. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, what else is cute? Um, Ewoks? And they were like, also still a little bit, just a little bit early for Ewoks, <laughs> like, so then I think finally um, they were like, what about this, this like lesser known <laughs> cute creature that ha- does have an entry on Wikipedia? Like, you know, it's not like at this point people would know about this. And I was like, okay, great. Um, but that's, you know, that's just fun. That's like, I, again, yeah. like, I can't believe this is on like the official comments on a word document. Like, right. it's, <laughs> that, like we're talking about like, when have people heard about words enough to reference them? Um, I think is is pretty funny. Absolutely. And, hey, I mean, speaking of funny now, you got my brain going with, like, you know, we have these Deadpool comics where he'll go into Marvel and Shakespeare. I need Afra to go into the Barbie <laughs> universe now because she would just create complete madness. Yeah, I think, this, she, so. would, she would make a mess. I mean, yeah, I, think, saying... um, I think Elizabeth said to me at one point, like, the way that I had written Afra's narration, because, you know, she also keeps, like, kind of messing with the recording and, like, commenting yeah, on what's yeah. happening in the scene and stuff like that. And she was like, Wow, I this just makes me really want like an Afro show that's like Fleabag, where she's kind of like for always like talking to the audience. Oh my and, god! You know, she like that's her commentary is like so like snarky, 
And I, I was like, wow, yeah, I, I can actually really picture that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just replace uh, Santa with Hot Priest, and you're good. You're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, oh, kind of on a similar note with you. Um, to Hot Priest? No, not to Hot Priest. Okay. More like Apra's Chaos. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, we talked about how a lot of, obviously, her backstory was already in the comics. And I mm-hmm. think it's interesting how you know some things that play in the panels are maybe more difficult to play in more of a live setting like whether that's an audio drama or if it's a live action tv show and we've seen Mm -hmm. some of that with like a lot of the superhero movies that have come out etc did you ever feel like you had to like rein back on any part of afro or are you like i'm going full afro right now Well, I mean, I think, like, why why take on a character like Afra if you're not going to go full Afra? Yes. Um, I think we, we really tried to push push that, push the Afra-ness of it all as much as we could. And, of course, that might translate differently in different mediums. You know, the way that she is so extra might be a little bit different in the comics than it is when you are hearing her voice. Um, but yeah, I think like we really tried to go like as to make it as Afra as possible. Yeah, full Afra. Success. We, full Afra. we all approve. Full chaos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Sarah, kind of as we as we sort of wrap up, something we ask all of our uh, authors is kind of about the concept of of legacy, right? So Star Wars is really all about legacy. I mean, it's all about. Um, we have the Skywalker legacy, right? We have the legacy of Anakin. Um, we have this sort of storytelling tradition all through the entire saga, books, comics, movies, everything, all about really legacy. And what we really like to ask authors that come come on the show and, and chat with us is like, what do you, you know, you, you sort of, you're going to have your own Wikipedia article, right? We could plan it and yourself as an author. And like, what do you want your personal legacy to be on, on this, this genre, on this universe like what is your personal stamp i mean i would really just love to make people feel seen like to really Mm. make people feel like like kind of what we were talking about earlier the galaxy is big we all have a place in it we should all feel like we belong we should also all feel like we can be the center of that story you know Mm -hmm. i think that um a lot of times when issues of representation come up and as a woman of color, I kind of feel like we're always sort of the last to get anything. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of times when this comes up, it's like, well, aren't you happy? There's like this one, you know, character that appears in two minutes of film or like whatever it is. Yeah. You're like, I mean, that's great to be able to see that at the same time. (laughs) um, There is, you know, a lot of times not, specifically in Star Wars, but just in like any franchise that you're, you're looking at. Um, a lot of times the, the people who are centered look the same as the people who have always been centered. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of like, okay, but I think everyone deserves to feel like they can be the star. They can be the protagonist. This can be their story. They can tell their own story. Um, and I know certainly for me, like, sort of like growing up with a lot of this stuff like you know watching watch being an avid consumer of tv and movies and comics and books and everything like it it does it does have an effect on your life it does kind of make you feel like oh i you know being sort of the center of anything being the even the protagonist of your own life is like for other people like that's not for me that's not something i ever expect to see so just being able to see someone like Afra being the star of something and having like everything about her really centered and having that mean something to people. And, you know, I, I'm very moved by the people who have messaged me and told me like, you know, thank you for writing this relationship or thank you for writing Afra this way, or thank you for, focusing so much on on her and sauna that's what i always wanted you yeah. know that that really means everything and so i would just like to be able to tell stories you know and i'm i am of course hoping that i'll get to tell other stories in this galaxy but um just to be able to tell stories where people feel seen and they feel like they matter and they feel like you know oh okay i can not only exist in star wars 
but I can be this, you know, I can be the center of Star Wars. I can be the main hero or, you know, Afra, I guess, is sort of like on the line between hero and villain and everything in between. But that I, I can be that person who's really the, the star of the show. Yeah, well, I mean, as as uh, admittedly three men who have never had the problem finding ourselves <laughs> in the center of any story ever, um, we are we are so thrilled that you are that you and other writers are bringing characters like Afra and Sana in the center where they they goddamn deserve to be. Um, and I can I I will I will second, third, and fourth that we we hope that you are going to be writing many many more as the years go on. And, and congrats, Afra is a is a triumph in every way, and it's Thank you. honestly. During this year, that's been tough. <laughs> um, it's it's exactly what a, a lot of folks needed, as is evident. So, um, thank you. Yeah, it's seriously excellent. <laughs> Before we let you get out of here, um, can you tell everyone else uh, that's listening where they can find you online, and if you have anything that you can talk about coming up, uh, feel free. Yeah. Um, well, people can find me a lot on Twitter. Um, usually there when I'm supposed to be doing something else. And Beautiful. It's just, <laughs> it's just my name, Sarah Kuhn, K-U-H-N. I'm on Instagram as Sarah Kuhn Books because I think someone else uh, took Sarah Kuhn before I could oh. get to it. Um, and then I have a website that probably needs to be updated. It's just heroincomplex.com. It's heroin like superheroin, not like the drug. Um, and <laughs> I, had a, I had a few things come out this year. Um, I wrote a graphic novel for DC with the artist Nicole Gu called Shadow of the Batgirl. That came mm-hmm. out earlier this year, which actually seems like five million years ago. Uh, right. But it did, in fact, come out this year. <laughs> um, and it's about Cassandra Kane, um, who is the Asian-American Batgirl. Um, and the fourth book in my heroine complex series, which is called Haunted Heroine, came out uh, earlier in July. And uh, there are at least two more books coming in that series. And then in later August, um, I wrote a graphic novel with the artist J-Bone, which is called The Riverdale Diaries, Hello Betty. It's basically middle grade Betty and Veronica. It's like them and all their friends and they start middle school and (laughs) J-Bone's designs for all the kids are super, super adorable. Um, So if you like things that are cute or you have kids who who like things are cute, then you might like that one. Gosh, well, amazing. We will be on the lookout for all of those and again all your future work in here Sarah once again thank you so much for coming and chatting with us it was an absolute blast thank you so much I appreciate it there is no hatred there is joy there is no division there is union there is no apathy there is passion there is no gatekeeping there is community this is the Utini Star Wars fan code embrace it live by and above all trust in the living force that's all for this week join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com until next time may the force be with you